Well, hello, hello, bloomers. Welcome back to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am your host with Orchid Bloom's podcast. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown. So it seems that we finally received our first snowfall yesterday, and I still have not. I still have not gotten my winter tires or installed them. So I am definitely having a a good week when it comes to that. Um, I think I spoke to a friend at work and she was telling me that she spent about $900 on just winter tires. That doesn't include the rims or anything else that's supposed to come with it. And she, she she was just stressed because she still have, has not... Um, even gotten her tires installed and she's already forking over close to a thousand dollars just on tires itself so I've been looking around this week just trying to find you know discounts or anywhere I think Canadian Tire had it for like 600 and something dollars that's before taxes and I couldn't believe it because back in the day like at least five years ago I spent on brand new Pirelli tires for my old car which was about 500 and something dollars and that was including taxes so to see how the prices have increased everywhere in all areas it's it's becoming crazy because not very many people are making that kind of money you know what i mean like a lot of people have debts that they're trying to clean up and it's almost like a sink or swim situation because when you're trying to swim your way out of your debt situation somehow you turn around and there's a shark coming with how many you know bills and and transactions that you need to pay for that happen to you know gone up in prices and you know you wait for that shark to come grab you by the leg and drag you under and you drown so I, I don't even know how a lot of people are going to be able to to get themselves out of the situation that they're in financially when it comes to to debts and such. If, you know, these sharks just keep coming at them with bills and future transactions that are way more expensive than it used to be. What I want to say is that, you know, we're in the same boat together. At this point, I don't know if I'm swimming or if I'm drowning with everything that's going on. But since I'm alive, I guess I'm still swimming and still trying to figure out a way to minimize as much of my spending and try to find the sales so that I can can save in this time where everything is so expensive and honestly i just i just feel for a, i just feel bad for a lot of people who are c- currently struggling right now financially because you know you have that plan to pay off that student loan you have that plan to pay off your debts you have that plan to try to find some semblance of normalcy in this time and you can't because every time you turn around you have some stressors to deal with you you're struggling with your anxiety your mental health is being affected then you go to work and you have to deal with bullshit there and then you leave work and you come home and you have to deal with bullshit when you get home as well so it's like non-stop constantly so i feel for a lot of people out there and i'm with you 
And, you know, with all the coping and trying to manage the situation and trying to figure out how to 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 best make this situation that you're in work for you in, in some ways, it still it still doesn't. It's all I have to say is I feel for y'all. I do. We're in this we're in this together. Today's podcast episode will be about addictive personalities. An addictive personality is a person or a personality that is more likely to become addicted to something. This can include someone being extremely passionate about something or developing an obsession or fixation on something. They say that people who have a higher risk of addiction than others are the adventurous types. They like to take risks. Individuals who like to take risks and who have little impulse control around experimenting or playing um, the new experiences or dangerous activities are more likely to try drugs. I want to just, you know, make this specific. Not all addictive personality are addicted to drugs. There are other things that you can be addicted to, especially if you have an addictive personality, which we will go into a little bit later. So when I was reading up on this, because this is something that I really wanted to research, I have met so many people in my lifetime that have addictive personality and they would tell me they have addictive personality. And I never truly understood what that really meant. In my mind, I was like, is it really that, you know, you're prone to get addicted to drugs or alcohol? Is that what it what it means? And so I wanted to share this story because this was my first interaction with someone who had an addictive personality. And this story goes back to high school where I was working my, my well, not my first job, but like my second job. And this girl and I kind of connected a little bit, but we really didn't connect. She was just always there and we always, you know, had a conversation. And so one day, you know, she said to me, oh, I have an addictive personality. And I said, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, right now I'm trying to quit coffee. And I said, okay, so you're, you're addicted to coffee. She's like, yes, but for her to, in order for her to quit coffee, she needed to become addicted to something else. So in my mind, I just didn't understand, like if, if, you have an addictive personality, shouldn't you avoid putting yourself in a situation where you have to be addicted to everything just to move on past something or past an addiction? She's like, yes, but unfortunately, that's all she can do. So she went from being addicted to coffee and she had to switch it up because she realized it was becoming a problem. So now she started smoking. And I said, all right, well, what are you going to do when when you you have to to stop smoking tobacco because you find that you're getting addictive. She's like, oh, she'll jump on weed. And then I said, so when you get addicted to weed now and you need to weed yourself off of that, what are you going to do? She's like, I might have to go to alcohol. And I said, there is no other option for you to to you know get yourself out of this hole that you keep digging. And she's like, unfortunately, the only way to replace an addiction is to replace it with another. So she was also that type of girl that was addicted to everything so that feeling of of love that she feels every single time she goes into a relationship she'll jump from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship she's one of those people that once she gets into a relationship she wants sex like all the time because she's addicted to the sex and then when the sex is over and she's bored of that person and that love is no longer there she has to jump into another relationship to keep that feeling going and to keep fucking so the more that you know she talked to me and keep in mind i was like what 
17 at the time, 18, and this is my first time ever hearing about this. I, I just did not know anything about addictive personality. So as she was telling me this, I was just kind of confused. So I said, okay, so if, you know, since you're, you're in love with love, does that mean that you, you would even go into a relationship with a girl because of how it makes you feel? She's like, yeah. And it turns out she was with someone that I had known, but I didn't know she was a bisexual. And, you know, she, they had a whole full-blown relationship. And then she cut, she parted ways with her eventually later on. I ended up bumping into that same girl later on uh, while I was still working there. Months later, she came in, I guess she had to do something and she ended up seeing the girl and she just looked devastated seeing her. And after I was finished work, she, that friend that I knew from high school, and we were still going to the same high school. Her and I, you know, stroke up a conversation after work where we're walking to the bus stop. And she was like, oh, do you know that girl? And I said, yeah, we work together. And she goes, oh, okay. And she's like, you know, you need to be careful of her. And I said, why would you say that? She explained to me that this female basically latched herself onto her, told her she was like all about the love bombs and wanted to build a future with her and was making all these plans with her. She eventually moved into her home with her family. Keep in mind, this friend has a tendency, or not even a tendency, she basically was living in a place that was abusive. There was a lot of abuse happening in the home that she was living, living in, especially with her mom. Most of us had already met her mom and deemed her mom crazy because <laughs> she was really mentally ill. And um, that's what she had to deal with every single day. So now this girl has latched herself onto her and is now living in her home with her toxic mother who, you know, kind of, not even kind of, she, she exhibits, exhibits behavior of bipolar. Like one moment she's good and the next moment she, she goes off and she starts attacking you and abusing you and verbally and emotionally and she tries to just destroy you in that moment. And so that is her, that is this girl's mom. So they ended up moving out together eventually because, you know, the mom decided to snap one day and just went after her. And they went and, and got a place for themselves where they lived together and she thought that this girl was going to be with her for much longer but after a period of time she turned around and she's like you know what i don't really like you i don't actually you know feel the same way i felt about you a few months ago so i'm leaving and she grabbed her shit and she left and jumped into another relationship with another dude where she happened to have moved in with him as well so this seemed to be a pattern with this girl that has an addictive personality so at this point, I started realizing that, okay, maybe it's not so much as she's addicted to the relationship. She's just addicted to finding a home, building a home with whomever, because she didn't have one. I didn't realize at the time that she was kicked out of her, her current home by her family. She had how many sisters and a dad and a mom, and they all lived together, but she was the one that got the boot. And when she got the boot, she just kind of went from jumping from relationship to relationship where she can find a home. And she'll play that bit for some time. And I guess whenever she feels that the time has expired, that's when she will then turn around and go, I'm just not feeling that same way about you anymore. And she'll jump out of that relationship to jump into another one. But what a lot of these people don't realize is that she had already found a replacement prior to, you know, expressing the fact that she no longer feels that way about these individuals she already found her replacement she was already fucking this person 
you know, she, she was already going on dates and acting like, you know, she went to visit her family or she went to go and hang out with her friends. That wasn't the case. She was already on somebody else's tip. So a lot of them just didn't understand how she could go from, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then in a split second, she just switched. So I said to my friend as we're waiting at the bus stop, because she's waiting with me for my bus because I did not live in that area. She lived in that area, but I did not. So I had to take the long bus ride to the other opposite end of town because that's where you know I lived and I said to her you know you do understand that she has an addictive personality right it's going to switch all the time if she has to jump from coffee to cigarettes to cigarettes to weed to weed to alcohol and have to continue this cycle over and over again that's kind of the same way that she she views her relationship and she goes really I'm like, you mean to tell me you've been living with this girl, having this girl be a part of your life, you're sharing yourself completely with this person and you did not realize or she didn't tell you that she had an addictive personality? And she goes, no. And I went, damn. I'm like, why the hell she tell me for? Because <laughs> maybe because we're not fucking and I wasn't interested in ever being in a relationship with a woman. But I don't know. I guess she just kind of keeps these sorts of things away from the people that she's using at the time uh, because she's a user. <laughs> Well, I had explained to my friend at the time that, you know, you need to forgive her and let it go and move on and pursue your own healing. And she goes, no, I already forgave her. And I said, girl, when you walked into that store, you looked at her like your world just fell apart. I said, that's not the look of a person who has forgiven and let it go and learned from the mistake and, you know, just never will do it again. And she goes, oh, so I said, I know you're still holding on to what happened maybe a year ago. And she's like, yeah, it happened, you know, we ended about a year ago. And I was like, damn, so it's still fresh. She goes, yeah, it really is very fresh for me. I just, she never, she never gave me any closure. And I'm like, what the hell is closure? Like, what does closure mean to certain people? I said, what did you want her to say to you during closure? Like, oh, she never loved you and that she was just using you? She's like, yeah, I would have preferred if she just did that. And I said, but wouldn't that have hurt even more? At least, you know, she tried not to not to break you <laughs> even though she kind of did because you really did believe that what she was feeling for you and what you were feeling for her was true love so you're still broken regardless so to have her just kind of pour salt on the wound after she she left you and i mean it doesn't even sound like she even told you it told you that she was leaving it sounds like she just said to you I'm just not feeling the same way about you and then she just disappeared and she's like yeah that's exactly what she did so I said I understand if you wanted her to explain what was happening but unfortunately she couldn't because she 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 doesn't really kind of know herself but at the same time she doesn't really want to face her issues she doesn't want to face the fact that she just goes around using people making them fall in love with her, making them see her as this amazing person. And then she leaves before that realization could hit them of who she is as a person. So I said, at this point, it, it has to be a learning lesson for you. You're not going to get any closure. She acts like she doesn't know you. When she sees you on the street, she will cross the street and act like you don't exist. So I said that closure that you've been sitting around for a year waiting for, you know, hoping for her to come back to you and, and, and say that, listen, I made a mistake. You're the love of my life. Like that, that waiting for that from this person who has an addictive personality. I said, it's not going to happen. She's already, ha and she's like, for real? I'm like, yeah, I've met all three. She just jumps from one relationship. She doesn't really know how to 
to just be single for once it's she needs that distraction she she needs to constantly be in a state where she doesn't feel like shit especially about herself so she was like wow she's like honestly orchid thank you so much for having this conversation with me because i feel like i would have continued to feel nuts i feel like i would continue to just feel like this ache inside of my heart because i just don't understand and i said well i i guess you know this was God showing up in your life and saying, okay, you're not going to get this closure even though you're waiting for it. Like every time you see her, you're looking at her hoping that she'll come over and talk to you or say hi to you. And God was like, that's not going to happen. So let me send you Orchid's way. <laughs> and while y'all are waiting for the bus, she's going to break it down for you. Let it go. Forgive the person and move on. Find healing within yourself and, and just, just stay away from her. So that's exactly what I said to her, and I never saw her come into the store again. And when she did come into the store, she came to see me, and then we went off for a walk. Eventually, this girl came up to me. She's like, oh, you know her? And I said, yeah, we go to the same high school. She's like, oh. And just the way she was behaving after she realized that I knew this person, because in her mind, she doesn't necessarily need people that she's talking to to know her patterns, to know what she's done before except she doesn't realize that I'm a very observant person. So I already started seeing these types of behaviors in her because of the many different guys that she brings around and how she's always living with them. It's just weird. It's just weird. Like, don't you have a home? <laughs> you know? And that was always just my thought process. Like, where, where's your home? Why are you always living with these men? Why are you so like head over heels in love after just meeting them? You don't even really know them, but you want to spend the rest of your life with them just out of nowhere. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So that was my first my first interaction with someone with an, an addictive personality. Due to that, I felt that I needed to create an actual podcast episode specifically on addictive personalities because it's still something that I'm I'm trying to learn more about. Because again, I did meet not even me, this is somebody else that I reconnected with about a year ago and he happened to mention that he had an addictive personality. And every time you know we were talking about the topic, the sense that I got from him just listening to him talk about his addictive personality is that he was chasing that feeling that he got originally from, from being high. And I said to myself, Okay, so that feeling that you got the first time you got high on shrooms or or weed and it made you just feel happy, it made you just feel like, you know, burdens were lifted off of your shoulder that you couldn't you didn't have to think that much anymore, you were just in a state of contentment. You're chasing that by continuing to use the drug in hope to to get back to that first enlightenment that you felt just taking it for the first time. And that is the the key root to to certain addiction. It's holding on to that that feeling, that emotion, that that little semblance of freedom that they felt in that moment where they were just completely happy. So I went online and I went to Immersion Recovery Center and I just kind of looked up uh, personality traits of people with addiction. And so the four uh, personality traits that can indicate addiction are um, inability to handle stress and anxiety. So learning how to handle what life throws at you, including the negative stuff, is a part of growing up and becoming an adult. 
people who repeatedly avoid confronting stressful, challenging situations or negative feelings are missing out on developing crucial coping skills. And that is something that I've noticed about some of these people who have an addictive personality is that they just can't cope. They just don't know how to handle certain situations. They just completely shut down when stressors happen or they're going through something a negative feeling. They just completely shut down. They don't know what to do. And the first thing they think to do is to go to drugs or to go to whatever they're addicted to to help free them or distract them from what just happened because they just don't want to deal with it. If a person is using drugs or alcohol to self-medicate negative feelings and stress, especially as a teen or a young adult, they aren't learning healthy ways to deal with stress and managing these emotions. Drugs and alcohol offers a temporary escape for unpleasant feelings but it could lead to addiction. Now, the same girl, I ended up finding out that she at some point went from coffee, cigarettes, weed, to now doing cocaine um, as a, to replace a, you know, a drug addiction or an addiction to something in her life. I wasn't surprised that she went to something a bit harsher because eventually she couldn't keep you know, going from coffee to cigarettes to weed and then repeating the whole process over and over and over again. And that's kind of what she was doing when we were in high school working at this part-time job. And so I don't even think she was even going to school because I've never heard her talk about school or going and hanging out with her friends. So from what I understood, she quit high school. And maybe that could have been the reason why, you know, her parents said, if you're if you're going to quit high school and not further yourself and get the fuck out. So they gave her the boot. And that's why she was just jumping from home to home, giving, you know, having sex and being completely in love with the person just so she can have somewhere to lay her head. And that's what she did. So she was addicted to that, too. So to find out, you know, she did get into cocaine at some point and that, you know, she went to that hard of of a drug. I know that the government kept saying that, you know, certain types of flavored cigarettes or flavored tobacco, um, as well as weed was a gateway, a gateway to something much harsher. But I feel that they've missed the point that it's not, it's not a gateway, these sorts of things, in my opinion. It's if they have an addictive personality, they will then eventually move on to cocaine or meth or something much worse and much harsher than what they're taking. And so a lot of these government officials don't seem to look at the research and understand that that a lot of people with addictive personality are the, one that's, are the ones that are going to move from weed or tobacco to something a lot more heavy. And you cannot lump some every single person into one category of, oh, if you smoke weed, you're going to go to cocaine, you're going to go to meth and blah, blah, blah. That's not necessarily the case. Yes, a lot of us have an addictive personality in some form, in some way, but it really depends on how the person is using this addiction to cope. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are willing to move on and try something much worse that would eventually get them killed. So the second trait on the list is impulsivity. So risk-taking becomes impulsive when someone is 
taking risk without thinking about potential negative consequences and continuing to take risk even after experiencing negative consequences. Impulsivity or a sensation seeking behavior can mean stealing to experimenting with drugs or alcohol to driving drunk. It is the adrenaline rush that can predict a propensity for addiction. Now, I am an adventure-seeking type of person. I don't take a lot of risk, though. There's certain things that I will not take risks on. But, I mean, I have the tendency to to like to experience adventures because it just makes me happy. Um, and so when we were talking about that earlier, impulsivity, coming into this definition of impulsivity, I realized that back in the day, I was very impulsive as well. But my impulsiveness stemmed from the anxiety of losing something, um, losing an opportunity, you know, not furthering myself. And so that made me very impulsive. And it took me years years to just kind of every time I feel that that anxiousness that comes on and then all of a sudden I felt the impulse to go and do something or to to hold on to something or anything like that I had to train myself to just remain calm in those types of situation that need that I was feeling to get up and to do it just so I won't lose something I had to sit there and just experience it just live in whatever I was feeling in that moment and once I did that and I released myself from that control that 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 situation or that person or anything that would make me feel like I need to impulsively do something I had to release that control that that item or person had over me so that I can just sit in peace and just understanding that you can't control everything. If you're going to lose this opportunity, then you're going to lose this opportunity. Maybe it was not for you. And so it took me years to learn this. It really did. So reading up on this, I was kind of like, wow, okay. So I might actually have an addictive personality and just not know it and didn't know it at the time. And so we'll, we'll get into it as we go along. Um, what my addictive personality could be, but we'll see. So the third uh, trait on the list is unaccountability. If someone is unable to acknowledge their own flaws and how they're, they've contributed to a negative outcome, then they'll be unable to recognize a substance abuse problem. In their eyes, it's everyone else's or everyone else who has the problem and not them. Unfortunately, I don't fall under that category. I'm the type of person that will take responsibility for everything, even if it's negative. So I guess, you know, if I did have an addictive personality, I'm not that bad. <laughs> but I have met some certain people, especially the first story I told you of, of the girl. And then the second story that I mentioned about the guy, they both have this, this ability to never take accountability for their actions. They run away from it. They know they did something wrong and they'll they'll just try to either pin it back on you like you were the problem and so they can avoid that emotion. They don't want to feel that guilt. They want to just be happy in every single moment of every single day and not have to take any responsibility for their own actions. And so this is something that they both, I realized, had, had in common, their lack of accountability. 
So the fourth on the list is lack of empathy. And I believe I only had about four traits, but I decided to add a fifth one and I'll get there. So lack of empathy was the fourth one. Empathy or being able to acknowledge, understand or process another person's emotion in such a, is such a valuable skill. It is a skill that many young adults do not possess inherently, but it can be cultivated over time. One of the things that I can say about the first story with the female with the addictive personality is that she always lacked empathy. She never felt bad for what she did to others. She just kind of knew how to let it go and move on and act like it never happened. But I mean, she'll she'll see the person and in her mind or subconscious, she knows that what she did was wrong with this person, but she she will avoid it, especially if it was really bad. But if she handled it in a way where you know she let the person know like this isn't working out um i found somebody else that i've i'm in love with and i'm gonna be with that person because i deserve to be happy you know she'll still remain friends with that person and so i always found that kind of dangerous because if she continued to be friends with this person it meant that she wanted to kind of keep them there as a plan b that if if this love interest doesn't work out or if this love interest starts to see through her love bombing and her manipulation um, to get her way that she can easily just run back to the other one so she likes to keep certain types of exes that have an access to an abundance of something this at this point the house was kind of owned by himself so she needed to keep him just in case if that doesn't work out she can easily just run back and start up this loving relationship with this person and said, you know, oh, I made a mistake and I fell in love with the wrong guy and blah, blah, blah. And she'll continue from there and she'll just be able to get back in because this person has love for her. This person wants the best for her. And so that's she 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 tend to pick and choose who she'll have empathy for if it does not serve her in the future then she won't necessarily have empathy, but she'll definitely milk that empathy with people that she wants to keep in her life so that she can she can access what they have. If a person never develops that skill, it can be a characteristic of narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder, which are common amongst people with an addiction. So I, I kind of understand where my friend at the time was coming from, where she kind of viewed her as a user, someone who came in and just took what she needed. And when she got what she needed, she just left. She felt betrayed. She felt used. And she just she just felt like she was nothing, like she couldn't offer anything to this person who she loved and who supposedly loved her back. At the time, us being in high school, we don't know very much about these sorts of disorders. I, I learned about narcissistic or narcissism, you know, later on in life, like years later. So it's not like her and I being in high school would have been able to identify that this girl was a narcissist, that she had narcissistic personality disorder. We, we would not have gotten it. So the conversation could not develop into truly talking about that disorder that maybe this girl had had and my friend wouldn't have known about it. We weren't in a situation where we were learning these types of things in, in high school. That's not something that they teach in high school. Not at all. 
there is a lot of things that we are not taught in school and most most of the time our family members don't really know anything about it to be able to sit down and talk to 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 us about it being you know young adults and so keep in mind her mother was dealing with a mental illness herself where i honestly feel that she was bipolar and but again that's just my feeling i was not a doctor at the time there was no one there for my friend to talk to so she can have an understanding of these personality disorders it's it's not like her mom even i don't even think her mom was even diagnosed with any issues as well she just exhibited certain types of behaviors that no one would have been able to have read through because we didn't really come from a community where we talked about mental illness at all it only started being popular in the last few years but in high school it wasn't popular to talk about it no one even really considered anything mental health we just lived our lives so the fifth trait that i would add to this list is depression and i was kind of surprised that that wasn't included uh in the first in the 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 four traits when i was researching online but i wanted to just kind of put slip that in there as a number five definitely so the warning signs of addiction is that one unexplained changes in personality or attitudes two suddenly or sudden mood swings irritability spaced out or angry outbursts three appears fearful anxious or paranoid with no reason and i have literally you know met people over time that i would not necessarily at the time consider to be you know have a having a, an addictive personality because it, it didn't click for me at the time it's not like i did enough research on this yes i've met a few people that have come out and openly said i have an addictive personality but i haven't met a lot to be able to to see the symptoms of an addictive personality so as i was researching this i was like holy shit i just got out of a situation with a girl who who has an addiction and she won't own to it she won't really make the changes i think the only thing changes she did make was that she stopped smoking weed because she attributed she attributed smoking weed to her mood swings but what she didn't realize was that she was still having mood swings and it was because she was addicted to alcohol because that's something she won't have a conversation about she won't let that part go and now when i'm doing this research i was like wow so she most likely has an an addictive personality and has found herself addicted to alcohol and she might not even know it she might not even see it so then i started looking it up again and i said you know what i want to i want to find a list of you know addictions in our society currently so the 10 addictions in modern society is what i found online the first is coffee the second is tobacco and nicotine third is alcohol four is sexual addiction five is illegal and prescription drugs six is gambling seven is the internet slash technology you know a lot of us are obsessed with social media and a lot of us are obsessed with being on our phones and that's something that i notice with the guy every single time we hang out like his phone's in his hand and he's always fidgeting with his phone and he's always going through social media like he just he couldn't put the phone down to save his life and then number eight is video games i know my brother 
um, was addicted to video games back in the day like, to the point where he'd have to play video games when he wakes up in the morning for hours on end. He'll always be late for work because he's playing video games. And then there's after work, he'll come home. He will play video games rather than eat food. And he'll go and he'll spend whatever little money he had just so he can like put something in his stomach and get home and start playing video games. And he was addicted to this. Number nine is food. And number 10 is work. Now, my addiction is that I'm a workaholic. I'm always working. I don't know how not not to stop working. But what you have to understand is that I come from uh, I come from poverty. And a lot of people that come from poverty tends to work harder and work longer hours because they never want to go back to that place of being poor again, struggling for money, struggling to figure out how to pay for food, struggling to, to, to find money for gas, like all of these things. We don't, once you experience poverty, you never want to go back to it. So that is an, an anxiousness. That is a stressor. So what is what do you do in those types of circumstances? You work. You work constantly. And I can't help myself. I just, I just would rather have money coming in all the time, you know, this is an addiction where most people end up working from paycheck to paycheck because they did not take the time to learn how to manage their own finances, how to, you know, pay your bills and also make sure that you put a certain percentage in savings for a rainy day. That way, if you do end up getting sick one day, you can take a day off. You can just rest a little bit. These, these are things that you, you're not necessarily taught. These are things that you have to almost teach yourself. So for me, I am addicted to working because I'm a workaholic, but understand the deep root behind that is that I came from poverty. The root causes of addiction includes trauma, mental health struggles, and genetic predisposition. No one can predict who will become addicted um, after substance abuse and who will not. I personally would never put myself in a, in a situation where I would ever try cocaine or, or if I would never try meth because I have seen it destroy so many people's lives. And so I don't want to put myself in a position where I would end up ultimately making my fears come to life, which is using so much drugs to the point where I forget life and I lose my job and now I'm in poverty. I've lost my home, I've lost my car. Everything that I've worked so hard for is going to go down in the drain. So that fear alone will make sure I never, ever touch anything such as cocaine or meth. But keep in mind, there are a lot of people out there that you know work for the government they have a nice house they have a nice car and they're addicted to cocaine and they they function very well in society very well like it's almost like you can't even tell that they're even on that uh, because it's it's not common knowledge to to see those signs so i can't necessarily say that your life is over just because you you take cocaine but i know that i don't want to put myself in that situation where i'm relying on something that could you know eventually put me in a position where i'm hurting myself and destroying everything that i worked for one common factor under that underlines um, every addiction is the feeling of reward a reward is experienced in the brain as a chemical release that creates cravings that fulfills and makes you feel satisfied while the feeling of rewards is healthy some signs of it moving forward uh, addiction includes 
always wanting more, constantly needing more, continuing despite negative outcomes and inability to follow rules you have set for yourself, not being able to stop obsessing, replacing relationships um, and secrecy. So going back to my first story, this is something that she struggled with. And there was really nobody there that could help pinpoint what she might be going through or maybe encouraging her to go and seek help for what she's going through. Because again, not a lot of us are aware of these 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 outcomes or symptoms of an addiction, addictive personality. You know, and I, I still feel from what I heard that she's still kind of struggling with it in her life currently, but she is trying to stay away from cocaine. I just don't see that lasting very long because if one disruption happens in her life where emotionally she just couldn't handle it guess what she is then going to slip right back into it and thank god we're no longer friends i would never be friends with somebody who you know uses people on that level and doesn't really know how to be a friend to anyone as long as they get something out of it i i couldn't be around that but hopefully she finds you know like-minded people who have an addiction addictive personality and they're working on on figuring out a way to have that self-control self-control that they 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 didn't they didn't learn how to have learning how to cope with what they're going through and how to stay away from from these drugs or or these these things that are are not actually helping them there are ways to manage addictive personality which we will we will get into later but for now we have some other areas that we need to go through a little bit with a little bit more depth i wanted to go back and focus on impulsivity impulsivity means acting or doing or or done without forethought impulsivity is a tendency to act without thinking for example you blurt something out uh, buying something you had not planned to or run across the street without looking these behaviors are common and keep in mind i was struggling with all of this because i had an impulsivity issue all of everything i just mentioned i i was doing I knew at the time that buying something that I had not planned was an emotional response that maybe I was just being over, I was feeling overwhelmed about what was happening in my life and I needed to buy something to to help cure that emotion because again it's that reward right it's like oh I just bought something new it makes me feel good for that moment but it's never lasting so it took me a while to start realizing that my impulsive purchasing was not helping me it was actually putting me in a situation where I was trailing backwards into the poverty line that I didn't really want to go back to and then there was blurting some things out I do that all the time that part is not gonna change (laughs) Um, you know, you can't say that whatever I'm saying isn't true. It's true. It's just, I have to learn to understand other people's limits. It's that empathy part that I struggle with. And so I just feel that if you're going to keep coming to me with the same issue and I'm just not going to say it, it's not going to be helpful for you or for myself. So I'm just going to tell it like it is. And if, and if you don't like it, you can go and save me the damn trouble, or you can accept what I said and work on it. And even, you know, back in the day, I used to run across the street without looking many times. <laughs> you know, people look at me like I'm weird. Like, why aren't you looking? Could have got hit by a car. But that was the, that was the, that impulsivity, right? 
they say the cause of impulsive behavior are being the subject of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse and neglect, pre-existing mental illness, family history of mental illness, personal or family history of substance abuse and addiction. The one thing that I can definitely categorize myself in based on what I've just shared is physical abuse. You, I come from a culture where beating your children is normalized. It's the only way to help keep them in control. It's the only way to teach them discipline uh, most times. So I grew up in that environment where I got beaten up for a lot of stuff by my mom. So growing up in physical abuse, and I think the, the physical abuse stopped when I was like 23 years old. You know, I was still in high school getting beat up by my mom. So the girl that I was mentioning before, whose whose mother I felt was bipolar, because she was freaking crazy, would beat her daughter almost every single day. And her and I, we, we, we I think we sensed that in each other, that abuse that we were dealing with at home. And so we connected on that without really truly talking about it. Like she mentioned that there was abuse at home. But again, I I was in high school. I'm not equipped to have these types of conversations. The only thing I could say to her was that I've been there and currently still going through it. You know what I mean? So the fact that I'm doing this research now and learning that my impulsive behavior is due to experiencing some form of abuse or neglect in my lifetime does explain a lot where I, I just sometimes I, I can be quite controlled in certain areas, but then there's certain areas where out of nowhere it would just unleash itself and I would have zero control and then I would do it and then the control would just come back. It's like I, I, I just can't do it. I don't know how to, to, it took me years. The point that I'm trying to say is that it took me years to have the sort of discipline and control that I have right now within myself. But keep in mind, it wasn't as bad as I might be making it sound. Um, it's just little spurs or spurs here and there. Developing self-control can only happen over time. Like I mentioned before, it took me years years to start to see certain patterns and working on it, doing the research on it, putting into practice. It didn't just happen overnight, the self-control that I currently have. And I think even a guy even said to me, he was trying to date me at some point, And he said to me, he's like, you're very controlled. And I said, yes, I had to work very hard to get to this level. And I would never throw my self-control away just so you can have your way. And, you know, we parted ways because he needed someone that he could control. But it's very difficult for someone who likes to control others to now find a way to control someone who has such self-control. And it's so strong because, like I said, I developed it. I developed it. I worked on it for years. There is nothing you can do to break that self-control, my friend. I wish you the best of luck. Go find someone you can manipulate because I'm not it. Since we're on the topic of addictive personality, I guess we're going back, I wanted to also talk about escapism. Escapism is defined as a tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasies. So all those people that love being on social media all the time, creeping other people's lives, looking at what other people are doing and going, oh my God, I want to live my best life too. Oh my God. I need like the latest fashions. I need to start doing reels and all these videos to like show everything off so that I can feel like I'm doing something with my life as well. That's escapism. 
being constantly on your phone, um, you know, looking at celebrities, looking at what they're doing, looking at what they're wearing. That is escapism. An example of escapism is a person who plays video games. My little brother, he does it all the time. Reading books. I, I read books. I do. Or fantasizing about living in a foreign country. Okay, I don't do that. <laughs> that part I don't do. But I do know people that do fantasize about living in foreign countries. Some see escapism as negative, hiding an underlying sadness or depression, while others insist that everyone indulges indulges in escapism to some extent and it is true i know a lot of people every single person i have met indulges in escapism escapism is the opposite of mindfulness which is living in the moment mindfulness is defined as the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something and this is something that i was practicing for so long mindfulness is a part of how i started to learn self-control because if my mind kept going off somewhere else i was ignoring the work that i needed to do within myself to 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 help control that impulsivity that i tend to do when i go into the store you know oh this looks pretty i'm gonna buy it i don't have any purpose in buying it it's just in that moment i feel like this item is going to make me happy but it never lasts once i buy it and i walk out of the store i go home and i'm like do 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 i got this item and i never wear it so <laughs> of course it never lasts so I had to work on mindfulness, living in that moment. I had to ask myself every single time I go into a store, do I need this? Do I need this? I can come up with so many excuses why I need it, but would I actually use it? If I cannot picture what I'm going to use it for, I cannot buy it. So that was a part of my training. Mindfulness, living in that moment, being honest. How much crap do you have in your closet, Orchid, that you're not using, but you bought it because it looked pretty a marac at the time? And I go, shit, I majority of my closet, I don't wear. I have nowhere to wear them. So why are you buying more of the same shit just to have it pile up in your closet? You know, having friends come over and go, wow, you have a nice closet, Orchid. I mean, it's cute and all, but I never wear the clothes. They're like, wow, I didn't even know you had this. Can I borrow it? And I go, sure. At this point, it's like I bought the clothes just to give it away. That's literally what I was doing. So anywho, mindfulness was definitely something that was used in helping me to build my self-control. It is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness of the present on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensation used as a therapeutic technique. Five signs of escapism. Just going through the motions. <laughs> I do that. I still do that. But that's because I'm tired because I'm a workaholic. Number two, mindless, mindlessly consuming media. I mean, I do that too, but not social media because I'm really sick of social media. I find that, you know, especially if I'm truly tired, sometimes your body is tired and your mind is still wired because you're tired off tired. You know, you find that energy because you're so tired, but your mind is going a mile a minute and your body's like, listen, bitch, let me, let me lay here. So I tend to watch binge on Netflix. I'm a binger. 
and binging, you know, for that short period of time and then going back to hustling hard every single day is helpful to me. So when it comes to the term media, it's more just watching TV or binging on a show, listening to a storyline. It's kind of like reading a book, right? You're, you're watching a story play right in front of you on your screen and you get to binge it. So I do do that. Definitely. Number three, not planning for your future or setting goals for yourself. That's something a lot of people don't do. And I met a lot of people who have no plans. And I was like, what do you mean you have no plans? I have plans. There's no way you're living with no plans. Um, Number four, not working on your growth or personal development. Number five, not taking an active role in your health or making time for yourself. Care. A lot of people don't do that. And especially since I'm a workaholic, I have to plan self-care. I have to plan it. If I don't make a schedule where I put self-care in it, it's not going to happen because I'm a workaholic. Escapism is a form of self-suppression. The motive to run away from unpleasant thoughts, self-perceptions, or emotions. Self-expansion tends or stems from motives to gain positive experience through the activity and the discovery or discovering new aspects of self. And that's something that I try to do on a weekly basis. I literally have to plan it. I have to plan self-expansion for myself, experiencing new things, learning something new. If I'm not learning anything new or experiencing something new, then unfortunately, it's not for me. And that's why I meant when I say that I have an adventurous um, trait about myself. But keep in mind, now that I'm getting older, there are certain things that I'm just not interested in in doing, especially things that are risky. Risky? I don't. I don't gamble. I don't feel like throwing away the money that I work so damn hard for. But there's a lot of people who will give up the last bit of their paycheck to go gamble just in hopes that they'll win like 50K. And when they do win that 50K, they're going to be like, oh, my luck is good right now. So let me go put that 50K back into the gambling system and hopefully win the 100K. And instead, they put that 50K back only to lose it. And there's only a lucky few that would be able to get a little bit more than 50K and be able to walk away. Now, that high that you feel from winning that all that money, you're now going to come back the next day with that 50 or 75K just to gamble it away again. And start all over again because you're addicted to that reward. You're addicted to the feeling of of winning. It's not even about the money anymore. It's just keeping that feeling of constantly winning, that, that feeling that makes you feel so good about yourself. That's what keeps you going back. So I'm not interested in gambling. I just don't feel like throwing away money that I work so damn hard for. So I will take my money and I will spend it and putting it into learning something new, experiencing something new. And being able to say, you know what, I've done it. I've done it. That's just my my mindset. That's that's how I think. They say escapism leads to depression. Studies have suggested those who use escapism are often depressed. It seems if we don't deal with our issues and we avoid them, we can be at risk of developing a higher level of depressive symptoms. Addiction to the internet has shown over overuse of such is often linked to loneliness and compulsiveness. Disassociation is one of the most powerful defense mechanism. Mentally separating yourself from your body, depersonalization or environment 
the realization to distance yourself from overwhelming experiences. Escapism is a form of disassociation. Disassociation is often considered a coping or defense mechanism, a way of tolerating stress, boredom, or conflict. For some people, disassociation is a form of extreme escapism. So I need you to understand that escapism and disassociation is very similar because that is what you're doing. You're avoiding your issues. You're avoiding your problem. You're avoiding facing something. You're avoiding stressors, boredom, conflict, all of it. You're trying to avoid by escaping it by either going on your phone, social media, following people, stalking people, um, doing a lot of stuff that that will then encourage your addictive personality. I feel that addictive personalities are linked to escapism. People with addictive personalities find it hard to cope or manage with stressors that they are dealing with. It's easy to distract yourself from your issues with any of these items that I listed earlier, the 10 items that I provided. Some people don't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing to seek help, to seek a therapist. It, it's very hard. Ways to manage and overcome addictive personalities. You can begin by talking about it. They say to talk to someone that can help, that can offer help or comfort, but there aren't a lot of people that can do that. Like I said before, not a lot of us even learn these types of things. We, we don't know. You're going to be lucky if you find that one or two friend that might understand where you're coming from, might have seen it and might have learned how to deal with these situations and circumstances, but there's not a lot. I would say avoid people with a savior complex. Run. You see any signs of a person that has a savior complex, don't say a word, drop the ball, run. And again, savior complex is hard to identify. So not everyone can be best to, to share with. It's You might be wasting your time talking to so many different people and everyone's trying to, to, to be your savior and they're not, they're actually just making the situation a lot worse by trying to help. A lot of family members may not understand, so they can't help you. They're not equipped. They may be able to provide support but that's all they can do. So I would advise that you maintain your level of expectations when you go and talk to people about things like these. Making your family and friends aware of what you are struggling with is encouraged, but expecting them to come up with a solution and a detailed plan to help you might not be the best option. That's just my opinion on the matter. If you are looking for a solution and a detailed plan, I, it would be best to get counseling or attend therapy. Therapy approaches this like a cognitive behavior therapy that can help you to identify and work through the triggers or underlying causes related to the addictive traits you're experiencing. Hanging out with people is something else that you can do, and I do it all the time, especially if I find that I'm always on my phone or I'm always on social media or I find that I'm doing something that is not really helping me in a positive way. I tend to go out there, make plans with friends, go and have a conversation with them. My phone is in my bag. It's in my pocket. I don't look at my phone unless maybe I'm in the bathroom and my pee is taking too long because I pee very slow. But other than that, I, I try to make time for people, have 
conversation uh, with people, you know, catch up on what's going on, watch a movie with them, like anything. It's just surrounding yourself with positive people who are genuinely concerned about your well-being and won't enable harmful behavior in your life. So again, try to hang out with people, not to just sit there and talk about your problems, but just to have a good laugh and to connect and, and feel, you know, less alone. I don't struggle with loneliness because I, I like my own presence, but sometimes being a little too comfortable alone might not be the best thing. So I have to put in place healthy things that I can do for me. And one of the healthy things that I can do to be less comfortable in my own presence is to go out and spend time with other people. Because you never want to get stuck in a place that might not be helpful to you. Work to do less of what feels good and more of what is good for you. Addictive personalities are characteristics by engaging in activities mainly because they feel good. But that kind of behavior can be problematic. It's best to learn how to focus on doing what is best for you, for your health and the well-being of those who love you. The last thing that you can work on personally to manage or overcome an addictive personality is thinking positively. The way we think determines the way we behave. You can learn more about how to replace negative thought patterns with healthier and positive ones by working on thinking positively. And again, it's really hard. And like I said in my previous episode, it can be quite annoying. But if you do struggle with addictive personality, I would suggest working on finding ways to remain positive um, in, in, and just not going about it in an unhealthy way because it won't stick. It really won't. So that concludes our podcast episode. As you can tell, I'm getting a little dry. I need to go chug myself, you know, at least two or three bottles of water after talking so much on this topic. So I just wanted to say thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages, which is Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession Network, Instagram at The Ambitious Net twitter at the ambitious ops you can also find me on instagram and on tiktok at orchid eye brown don't forget to click the follow button or subscribe button on the platforms that you choose to listen to your favorite podcast episode and don't forget to share these episodes with your family and your friends now i hope you have a splendid day